Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. If we can reach out and help lift a person up rather than take over, I think if we realize if we're taking it over or taking it on, and then we create a dependence versus an interdependence, right? A dependence on us rather than them being able to demonstrate responsibility in a situation. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Parenting is messy. It's challenging, difficult, and just when you think you've got it figured out, your kids are in a new stage, and what worked last week is not working this week. It can make you crazy. My guest understands this. Helping families build connections that last is Lori Wildenberg's passion. As a licensed family and parent educator and coach, Lori is the author of five books, including The Messy Life of Parenting, Powerful and Practical Ways to Strengthen Family Connections. Lori leads the popular Moms Together Facebook page and co-hosts the Moms Better Together podcast. Welcome to the No More Perfect podcast, Lori. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. And I love the name of your podcast, No More Perfect. (laughs) That is life, isn't it? It is. Oh, my goodness. It so is. So tell us a little about your family. Where are you coming to us from? Tell us just a little bit about yourself. Well, we live in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains in Morrison, Colorado. And some people are familiar with Morrison because that's where Red Rocks Amphitheater is. Um, Some people know about that. Mm -hmm. And we have four adult children, and we have um, some added as well through through marriage. We have uh, three more, uh, a son and two sons in love and a daughter in love. And we have two little grands, a two and a half year old and a six month old. And our daughter is expecting her first baby in a few weeks. So we're wow. going to have three little grands. It's the best. Let me tell you, it is the best. We <laughs> love it. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. And I forgot to mention, we have a golden doodle and his name is Toby. And we discovered the name Toby means God is good. So every time I say Toby, I'm saying God is good. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that. Well, Lori, I don't actually remember when you and I met. Uh, oh but gosh. I do remember the first time we hung out together in the foothills of the Rocky <laughs> Mountains. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jill. I thought that I was going to kill off all of your, uh, <laughs> all the hearts at home women <laughs> that came along with us. Oh, oh I forgot so that there was funny. such an incline with that hike to Mount Falcon. <laughs> well, oh. I'll tell you, it was so funny. <laughs> funny. I, I just have to share this story because so there was uh, my I was out in Colorado with my leaders and we were doing a leadership retreat and Lori had told me anytime you're in Colorado and you want to go for a hike, you let me know. And so I took her up on it. And <laughs> I love to hike. I love that. And so um, so she's like, okay, we'll do this particular hike. <sighs> and and Honestly, I didn't think it was that bad. You were awesome. I mean, we just kept, but people kept dropping off. (laughs) (laughs) They did. They did. They just uh, were struggling. And we were all from Illinois. So the, you know, the Flatlanders uh, lungs that makes a difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was, I mean, that was messing with people. And so anyway, you were like, so funny. You were like, I am... I'm killing your leadership. There's not going to be any leadership. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So oh. we, you you and I are due for a hike without yes, extra people where we can just enjoy it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you do come to Colorado occasionally, so that'll probably work out. <laughs> I know. Oh, goodness. Well, let's jump into this topic of messy parenting. And you know what? Here's what I know. Every book has a story. So what's the story behind the messy life of parenting? Oh, my gosh. The story behind it is we had 18 months worth of a huge mess. And, you know, I kind of block it out of my mind. So because of that, I'm going to read this to you. Otherwise, I would never be able to explain it. But this was the impetus for writing this book and how we need to deal with life's spills and challenges and all of that. So I had 18 months worth of pretty big challenges. Um, So in January, my dad died. In February, I was in a ski accident and blew out my ACL. A few days later, my middle daughter, Samantha, this is the one who's now having the baby, um, separated the bones in her foot while going over the hurdles and track. The two of us had surgery in March, and in June, Murphy, our family labradoodle, was bitten by a rattlesnake. In August, Samantha and I both needed a second surgery. In November, Samantha, the same kid, was in a snowboarding accident and experienced a concussion. In December, our little Shih Tzu, Bailey, died, and in the same month, my son Jake and his college roommate were in a rollover car accident. The new year started with Kendra, the youngest, rupturing her spleen in a near-fatal snowboarding accident, and only two hours after being home from the ICU for a week, we ended up in the urgent care with Samantha because she cut her hand and it needed to be stitched up. In March, our son, Jake, was diagnosed with an irregular heartbeat, and three of my four kids, Jill, ended up going to the hospital in an ambulance in the span of six weeks. And oh, my, my nephew, gosh. I know. 
And my nephew, Sam, he told his mom, my sister, that he was going to quit telling his friends Wildenberg stories because he was he was thinking they were going to think he was making it all up. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I mean, life is messy. And, um, wow, you know, we have, we've got accidents and illness and all that stuff happens in life. And we need a way to be able to navigate that because life is unpredictable and unexpected. And that actually is the place where we all live. We kind of live in the mess. Right. And those were all very physical things that happened. But then you add in there personality differences. You add in there parenting challenges with, um, you know, maybe uh, some rebellion and... Uh, just the everyday stuff of parenting it's that true. is already messy. <laughs> and yeah, it's just so, ch- I think that it is much harder than what we think it will be. Well, we think we have the formula, right? I mean, I know I did. Um, I was a teacher prior to being a mom. And I thought, well, how hard can it be? You get typically get one at a time, right? <laughs> and, you know, I could... <laughs> I could manage a classroom of 30-some kids. How, how hard could this thing be? But it is really different. And, and we, we believe that if we have this formula and if we handle things in an exact, consistent manner, that, you know, really, I mean, if we, if we do all these things, then they should all turn out exactly right. Right. And if we do A plus B plus C, we're going to get D. Yes. And the, that's what we think. But we don't. <laughs> no. No. Get, yeah, because, I mean, we could get D or E or F or G or double H or Q. I know. or I mean, you just do not know because you figure in that child's personality, their temperament, their own struggles, their experience in life that contribute to those things, all of that. (laughs) And so there's just no, there is no formula, right? No, and they all come out of the chute differently, right? I mean, they're, they're all, they all, like you said, have their own personality bent and we have to interact with our kids in a way that honors how they're created. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things you talk about in the book is you mention uh, cultural lies that parents believe. What are the cultural lies that parents believe? One, one of the lies is God doesn't give us more than we can handle. Now, Okay, oh how many of us really one. have had more than we can handle? I can totally say that. And, I, and Jill, I, I know your story too. <laughs> so yep. yeah, no, life shows us we get way more than we can handle. And really, by God's design, that encourages us to depend on him. So if yes. we, you know, that actually is kind of a blessing because it draws us closer to the Lord. We may not feel like it at the moment, but right. but it is. And then God helps those who help themselves. Well, this is that lie of independence. 
and that we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just forge ahead and help ourselves. Well, that's very contrary to God's word. He wants us to be in connection, to rely on one another and to rely on him. And that's interdependence with one another and independence or dependence, excuse me, dependence on the Lord. Independence is a Western cultural lie that we've really bought into. And in doing so, what we haven't realized is we're, if we hang on to that independence thought, we are raising kids to be independent of us and independent of their siblings and of God and of other relationships. We want interdependence. But I think we've confused um, responsibility and independence. We want to raise our kids to be responsible and accountable. That's super important. Yes. But I don't think we mean for independence because, Jill, you and I, we're in this phase where we've got adult children now, and we want to be in their lives and and in the lives of the the little people that they may be having. Right. Mm-hmm. We right. We want a relationship that lasts a lifetime. And to have that, we need to have that interdependence. Gotcha. So so uh, let's let's talk about interdependence. And what does that look like in real life parenting? Oh, like, gosh, what does that look like? Great question. You know, um, there are really small, tiny things we can do that encourage our relationships where we can rejoice together and we can mourn together and come alongside each other. And here's one thing that um, ended up being our family philosophy, but it was like totally by accident that I came across this. It was seriously, I was not looking for some altruistic way of of raising the children. I was trying to get through some moments that were really tough. Yeah. And all of our kids are probably, they're all two years apart with the middle two being about a year and a half apart. So we had four kids, five and under. And I can tell you, it was not a meal until somebody spilled. It <laughs> cut, right? I mean, I know you had this too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And no matter what you did, you know, strategic placement of the cup or, or the sippy cup, it didn't matter. Somebody right. still was going to spill. They have no sense of their body space because they just keep growing. So it's just... You know, and I'm talking about accidental spills here, not the on little mm-hmm. rascal who is doing it on purpose. Right. But it drove me nuts. And I thought, if I don't figure something out, I'm going to, this is not going to go well for my children. <laughs> I need mm-hmm. to figure something out. Right. Because so those I are the st- moments that we yeah. overreact. Yes. Yes. And it's, you know, it's dumb. It's just a spill, but it drives you nuts. And so I started saying, that's okay. Everybody spills. I'll help you clean it up. And when Mm. I said, that's okay, Jill, oh my gosh, I could feel a change in me. Mm. And then I could see in my kids relief, like, oh my gosh, she's not going to go crazy over my spilled milk. She's safe, right? Yes. And I became, it, it helped them understand that, you know, we were safe for them to spill in front of to make a mistake in front of. So that's okay. And then I'd say everybody spills to normalize the situation. 
And uh-huh. our kids need to know that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to spill. Everybody does. That's part of learning. Uh-huh. And then I added on, and I will help you clean it up. Now, there were times I couldn't. If I was nursing a baby or, you know, whatever, I couldn't always enter into that cleaning up. Uh-huh. But if I could, I did. And I'd say, I will help you clean it up. So there they still had the responsibility They still had to own the task of doing the cleaning up, but yet they knew that I was going to be their helper. I would come alongside them. I wasn't going to take the job over, Mm -hmm. okay? But I also wasn't going to leave them in that. So it's not enabling, it's empowering. And Mm. so that's what I started saying. And that's okay, everybody spills, I'll help you clean it up. That's okay, everybody crashes the car. I'll help you figure it out, right? I mean, you can take this philosophy and use it in any sort of situation. And even if you're not there going side by side, let's say you're out of the room, but you're still within earshot and one of the kids spills. I mean, what a beautiful thing to hear the siblings say to say to each other, that's okay, everybody spills, I'll help you clean it up. It demonstrates grace and humility and empathy. And I know that's something that I wanted in my family and mm. um, and to see it among the siblings. And as they've grown up, that message has stuck. And they've all yeah. gone through various times of difficulty or whatever, but they are there for each other in the small mm-hmm. things and the big things. And even if we're not physically in the same state even, we can still have that attitude of that's okay. You know, everybody has issues. You know, we'll come alongside you and help you the best we can. Mm. So, And why do you call that interdependence? That's where we're able to enter into each other's life, come alongside. It's, it's like, a, mm. like a puzzle, a puzzle piece. Yes. Fitting puzzle pieces together. And yes. that's a beautiful image, right? Yes. To have yes. that. It is. It is. Now you mentioned there that, you know, that wasn't enabling, it was empowering. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think, especially, uh, you know, that we need to be aware of as parents is how do we help and not enable? Like, yeah. what is the difference between helping and enabling? And when do we know that we've crossed the line or we're getting dangerously close to crossing the line? That is such a good question. And sometimes it is pretty hard to figure that out. Mm-hmm. But if we can reach out and help lift a person up rather than take over. I think if we realize if we're taking it over or taking it on, and then we create a dependence versus an interdependence, right? A dependence on us rather than them being able to demonstrate responsibility in a situation. Um, Mm. that, that's really hard. It's hard to sometimes know because our knee jerk reaction is often to help so much that the help crosses the line to enabling. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I guess I have a situation that I could describe to you that Mm -hmm. sort of, um, explains the difference. Uh, our, our oldest daughter was working, um, 
at a job that was probably probably about 40 minutes from our home. Okay. And one evening, we were having a great big Colorado snowstorm, and it was getting kind of like a blizzard. It was getting pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And Tom and I were in bed, and a call came in on my cell phone from my oldest daughter, Courtney, our, our, our oldest daughter. And mm-hmm. she's like, Mom, I was scraping the windshield um, with you know my little scraper, and the wiper popped off. And... And I just felt like, oh my gosh, she's never, I mean, my fear entered Mm -hmm. into this, right? Yes. If I could have gone there and fixed it for her, or if Tom could have gone there and fixed it for her, we would have been there in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And I was like in my brain and my body freaking out, but I knew that wasn't going to help her if I freaked out. Yeah. So I said, okay, okay, babe, here's what you have to do. Um, go into the glove compartment and get out your owner's manual and figure out how to attach, reattach that wiper because you do need it in order to get home safely. You can't just have one wiper. And she's like, okay. And so we couldn't get there physically, but I can tell you, we really wanted to. And Mm -hmm. in that moment, that would have not been as helpful as us telling her, you're mechanically minded, you can do this, call us when you do it. Okay? Yes. So 10 minutes later, the and b- before, when I hung up the phone, I looked at Tom and I said, there's no way she's going to be able to do this. <laughs> and I thankfully, I didn't communicate that fear because that was my fear, not hers. Right. And she yes. was capable. Our kids need to know that they're capable. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so she called back at about 10 minutes later and she's like, I got it reattached. I'm on my way home. It's like, woohoo. And the joy that she had in being able to solve her problem without oh. us taking it over. And, yes. and we probably would have if she was closer mm-hmm. and, but we couldn't. And then for her to to know that she could solve that problem, that she was capable, that really, that helped her up, right? Oh, that, yeah. That helped her up. And um, she was able to do that. So when oh, they can have a sense great. of accomplishment, that's very different. Yes. So you kind of led her to the resource that would help her to be successful. So that leading her to that resource was the help that you gave her. And we gave, we had confidence in, you know, well, we, I expressed confidence in her, but I have to say my own fear was still inside my brain, but I thankfully didn't communicate that, but we expressed confidence in her ability to, she's kind of mechanically minded. So she needed mm-hmm. to hear that. Yes, she did. You know, you you talk a lot about affirming our kids. I think that we underestimate how much uh, our tendency is to call out the things they're not good at or to mm-hmm. let them know the things that they need to work on. And we're not always so good about affirming the things that they're good at because we almost take those for granted don't you think as parents yeah i think we get we can get caught in being critical instead of like a like correction 
Correction can be kind and affirming, right? We wow. don't have to just focus on the negative. Um, the other side. Can you of the give coin, an example of that? How can you give an example of a correction that is kind and affirming? Sure. So, um, we had. I had one mom um, in a mom's group that I was uh, that I was teaching. And she was trying to correct her daughter on um, how to perform a particular task. Okay. And her daughter said, Mom, you're hurting my heart. Oh, because goodness. the mom, I know these kids, right? The mom was delivering her correction and i i suggested to the mom to say to the daughter the next time now now some of that was a little bit of a manipulation on the little youngster's part right and mm-hmm. i said to the mom tell her you're talking to her brain not to her heart so that she could filter things through her head and i think if our kids can understand if we can speak to their head and be careful not to speak at their heart like, um, you know, telling them they're the worst kid in the world or they've done something really bad, but rather separate their behavior from their personhood and yes. and speak to their head I, and tell them, you know, I, I'm talking to your head right now, you know, and affirm them in the situation that, hey, everybody makes mistakes, everybody spills, and it's okay. And correction is really can be received in terms of, you know, an open heart and mind for learning if we deliver it that way, rather Mm -hmm. than as a criticism, like you're not good enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody struggles with something. And I think if we can say, like for me, it was math and I still grew up and I, you know, almost didn't pass math, but I Somehow, miraculously, I did, but it hasn't prevented me from being, you know, a responsible adult. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's okay. And I married an accountant, so, you know, I'm covered, right? <laughs> but our kids are going to have things that aren't going to be, you know, like you say, perfect. There's no more perfect. There is mm-hmm. no more perfect. And that's actually really perfect that there isn't because that helps us rely on each other and depend on the Lord. So um, to be more receptive to the things that they need to work on. And some kids need stuff broken down into smaller tasks and Mm -hmm. to experience success sooner. I mean, when you think of tying your shoe, right? That there's a lot of steps to that. And so, you know, that's okay to take a little bit at a time and be successful in that. You know, I remember one time, and this was when I was learning, uh, I talk about this in my No More Perfect Kids book, I was learning to kick the perfection infection out of my parenting. Um, And the perfection infection is when we have unrealistic expectations of our kids, and we unfairly compare our kids to others. And I... I, I was dealing with a situation with one of our sons and it was a scenario. He was in this season of his life. He was characterized by a lot of poor choices and 
<clears throat> in my frustration, what I wanted to say is, <laughs> when are you going to get this right? Like, yeah. how many times are we going to have to deal with this issue? When are you going to take wisdom? Blah, blah. You know, that's what I wanted to do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But because that, we could solve that problem pretty quick. I know if they would just do just listen to me. And I remember in that moment, I mean, I, I remember shooting up an arrow prayer to the Lord, like, okay, Lord, help me to know how to speak life. And I still remember the words that came out. And um, it was something to the to, to uh, something like this. So. I know that there is a very wise person inside of you, and I'm going to believe that the next time a scenario like what just happened today happens again, that wise man is going to show up. And I hope that you believe that too. That is so good. I remember that. It was such a change for me because I had been harsh and angry in the past. And it was like he knew that what happened was not okay. Mm-hmm. And but he also knew that I believed in him and I was calling out that wise person inside of him that I absolutely did believe existed in there. It just hadn't shown up. Yeah. And what a, that's speaking life, even in yes. the midst of correction. Oh gosh, Jill, that's so good. And there was no shame in there. And it, you know, it was okay. Let's create a plan for the next time. You know, mm-hmm. to choose choose the best thing. To choose, mm-hmm. you know, what is going to be the best thing. And I think sometimes as parents, um. We so, like you say, we can so focus on the not good thing. But when we do that, we're so reminding them and we're creating that connection in their brain of the not good thing. Now, why not challenge them to be the wise person that's inside of them so that they are able to, rather than repeat the behavior that they've done, get them to be a new connection in their brain where they start thinking of a new plan so that when another similar situation arises, they have a different response. But we can sometimes even be guilty of being such a historian that we've actually taken that information and made a stronger connection in our kids when we get like that. There was a situation where I was going through Target I was at the, um, I was in the toy aisle and this mom was so cute. She was, she had her little cart and she had, as she was going through the the toy aisle and her little guy who was probably three, maybe four, Mm -hmm. um, was walking right alongside her. He wasn't in the cart. He was right next to it. I was just ready to say, wow, your little guy is doing so good sticking right with you. And she said to her son, don't even think about climbing on those shelves. <laughs> well, what do you think <laughs> happened? Boom, that kid, I tell you, he was like Curious George. He could he climbed up those shelves in no time flat. And so she knew his his propensity, right? Yeah. She knew yes. he was a little climber and she had that history with him. Yeah. So uh, that's being a smart mom. She knew yes. that. But to 
to remind him of the behavior because our kids don't hear the don't. They hear the action. She yes. didn't, he didn't hear don't climb on the shelves. He heard the word climb and boom, he was up there. And so, but if she had said, you know, um, she knew that he's a climber, she could have said to him, you know, I'm so glad you're sticking right with me and hanging on to my hand or hanging on to the cart. You're doing such a good job to reinforce the thing that she wants rather than remind him of the thing she was hoping to extinguish. Yes, yes. That and and we have to we kind of have to think because I think the other way is very knee jerk. It's very reactive. Mm-hmm. So it takes a little like I remember that moment where I'm trying, you know, I'm kind of sorting through that. It takes number one, sometimes we have to pause before we speak, mm-hmm. even even just for a couple seconds. Um, and it it takes a little bit of effort to think through um what our options are to speak mm-hmm. the positive, but you're right. It's so, I've never heard anybody say, and I, but I can totally see it that when you say, don't do something, the kid doesn't hear the don't, they hear the action mm-hmm. and you, you're right. Oh my goodness. I, I see that. It's, it's so crazy. I do a little mm-hmm. exercise with a lot of the groups that I speak to and I have the, have the parents close their eyes and I'll say, don't stand on the slide. And I'll ask them what they picture. They Mm. picture standing on the slide. So we tell them what we want, sit on the slide. And that eliminates a whole lot of stuff. And that really works with adults too. I mean, don't eat that chocolate. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I want that chocolate, (laughs) you know? Right. So mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, that's good. So um, in your book, The Messy Life of Parenting, you talk about your spillage parenting philosophy. What is a spillage parenting philosophy? Can you describe that? Sure. It is. That's okay. Everybody spills. I'll help you clean it up. Oh, that's what you call that. Yeah. Oh. And I can tell you, kids, they remember that. My Youngest daughter was uh, doing some nannying as she was um, in college to earn some extra money. She called me up and she is like, Mom, you'll never guess what I said to June Bug today. And June was 18 months. She said, I told her, that's okay. Everybody spills. I'll help you clean it up. And <laughs> that is interdependence. Right. And that mm. is the thing that. The message we want to give our kids is it's okay to mess up. Everybody does. And we are here to come alongside you. And that fully captures the message of the messy life of parenting. And the book really unpacks that in a lot of different scenarios. But yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when we were writing, uh, Dr. Kathy Cook and I were writing No More Perfect Kids, and we ran across a. Um, uh, we ran across some a study, and it was on brain development. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, we ran across was that the brain optimally grows in failure. Like the brain yes. grows best mm-hmm. in failure. So in those moments, in those that's okay moments, what we're doing is we're recognizing that this is an opportunity for growth. And, uh, and I even, I, when, once I learned that, you know, I would deal with something with my kids and I would be like, 
guess what? Your brain is growing. This is way cool. (laughs) It's true. I mean, and where do we learn the best? We learn the best in our mistakes. We do. So we, you know, when you think of like a little one who's, who's five years old, and if you say to yourself, this child has only been on the earth for five years right? Mm -hmm. They need opportunities to mess up because they don't know. And there are some kids, you know, I've, you know, I've got one of them that will um, typically choose the wrong way most often, (laughs) right? And, but it's an opportunity. And if we can Mm -hmm. look at it like that, and it's an opportunity to for learning. It's an opportunity to build resistance and perseverance. There's so many good things in there. If we can look at it that way, and like you say, challenge the kids to find that wise person within them because it's there. That person yes. is there. Yes, it yes, they, it absolutely is. And we have to believe that. And even if we have trouble, like in the, in the moment where you didn't believe that your daughter maybe really could do this. Yes. Um, and that's okay. I mean, we all have those moments of yeah. fear and, and struggle, but what when we verbally can say it and call it out of them, um, yes. that makes such a difference. Yeah. This has been such a good conversation, Lori. Thank you. Oh, it's been so great to be with you, Jill. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, you know, Lori, I know that, um, that you have a lot of wisdom um, on just parenting in general, but you also have a second book called Messy Journey, and it's about what to do when parenting gets like super hard, uh, like a child chooses a lifestyle you don't agree with, or they make poor choices, or they walk away from faith and family. So really kind of a prodigal, what happens when we have a prodigal. And I would love to explore that topic with you. Mm. Do you think you'd be willing to come back next week and talk about that uh, I in particular? Would- love to. I would love to come back and talk about that. Oh, that would be great. Let's do that. Because uh, I'd love to go just a little deeper because I know we have parents that are in the uh, season of life where their kids are getting older, they're making lifestyle choices that they don't agree with. And a lot of times we don't know what to do as parents. Mm -hmm. So I sure would love uh, to explore that. So would you be willing? um, Well, first, where can people find you online, Lori, where's the best place to connect with you? So you can connect with me on my website, lauriwildenberg.com, L-O-R-I-W-I-L-D-E-N-B-E-R-G. Um, you can also find me on Facebook uh, with Lori Wildenberg, also at Moms Together on Facebook. Um, we have a group and also a Moms Together Facebook page. And um, that's fairly, the group is very interactive. Um, And that's called Moms Together. And then also, um, I'm also on Instagram as Lori Wildenberg and Moms Together. So very cool. Very cool. Um, Well, let's just close with one more recitation of that spillage thing uh, that you talked about, the phrase, okay? I just want to, that's the last thing I want it to be in everybody's head, okay? (laughs) All right. Are you ready? Yep. (laughs) That's okay. Everybody spills. 
I'll help you clean it up. Excellent. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any future conversations. We also want you to know that we have three free eBooks for you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. You can also find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.